What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Hollywood Tales. I'm your host, Ahmed Ahmed. We have my co-host. Blake Barty. How's it going? We are excited about this episode. We have an awesome guest that's going to come on. Um, I will introduce him in a minute, but right out of the gate, we just want to say thanks for tuning in. We have started our own YouTube channel. Uh, just go to Hollywood Tales Podcast. You can also check us out on the YouTube channel at Jam in the Van. We are recording right here from the Jam in the Van studios in West Hollywood. If you haven't been, it's an awesome spot. Uh, live music, live comedy, uh, they do all kind of cool, like weird, artistic, fun activities and shows and programs and all that. Um, if you don't know about this place, the back history of it is <clears throat> it used to be a, a rehab center. Yeah, so uh, we're back. <laughs> Nothing's changed. Um, we've had some really amazing guests on so far, and we're excited to bring on this next guest. But first, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the owners, Dave and Jake, uh, Jake Trainer, who runs the facility, uh, Jack Higgins, our creative director, and Wolf Ramirez over there, who you can't see, who's puppeteering this whole operation. Thank you, Wolf. Uh, we are psyched. We have some shows coming up. Uh, Cruisers Comedy Show tonight is our last show in Huntington Beach. And then we are pivoting over to uh, Newport Beach, their other location. It seems that the Huntington Beach crowd didn't really <laughs> like stand-up comedy for some reason. <laughs> Every week we, there was like fights going on and heckling and just crazy shit. So the owner was like kind enough to say, hey, I have another location in uh, Newport Beach that might be a little bit more comedy friendly, so let's do that. So tonight is our last night. You probably won't see this for uh, for a week. I don't know when this is going to drop, but uh, moving forward, Cruisers, Huntington Beach. So far, it's every Thursday. I'm sorry, Newport Beach. We'll be in Newport, yeah. We'll be in Newport Beach at Cruisers Comedy Club. Comedy, Cruisers Bar, but we do comedy there. Uh, we have some dates coming up in Chicago at the Comedy Bar. Blake and I will be there April 15th and 16th, the Comedy Bar in Chicago. And then uh, we're just trying to line up some other stuff, you know, for this summer. So it should be a fun summer, a, a busy summer. Nice weather's coming up. COVID has finally become sort of a past tense. Yeah, disappeared. You know, no masks. Everybody's vaxxed or anti-vaxxed or whatever. <laughs> uh, at any rate, we're going to loop in our, our guest today. Um, his, his, okay, so let me just tell you about his credits. Um, he just directed a film uh, called Studio 666 with the Foo Fighters. And I haven't seen it. I saw a trailer. It looks sort of like a, a musical horror comedy, but I'll let, uh, I'll let our director explain a little bit more about it. However, I want to just tell you some of the credits that he has. Now, he is a director and a writer and a producer, and he has one acting credit, which I found. But he's directed, uh, uh, he was camera operator, steady cam operator on so many big projects, including Ant-Man, Ballers, Avengers, uh, Avengers, Age of Ultron, The Interview, Neighbors, Lone Survivor, Mortal Kombat, um, Jack Reacher, The Walking Dead, the list goes on and on. If you just IMDB, BJ McDonald, check out all his credits and check out his movie that's out now, Studio 666. Please welcome to Hollywood Tales our guest, BJ McDonald. Hello, how are you? <laughs> hey, What's how's up, it going, brother? <laughs> you made me blush with all the, all the stuff talking about my past career. <laughs> well, I, you have 172 camera department credits. <laughs> I've never even heard of that. 
See this gray? <laughs> that'll, that'll, I'm 46 years old. That, yeah, let's Are just... you really? <laughs> so I saw some, and, and we'll, maybe we'll try to dig him up. And, and Wolf Ramirez, who's our, our videographer, editor, producer here behind the scenes, we can try to pull up some old photos of you. But you used to be really clean cut. You used to, I saw some pictures of you online that was like GQ model kind of look. You were going there for a while. I, I kind of like to change up my look. I like to just make sure people forget who I am. <laughs> maybe, that's, maybe that's what keeps it fresh because people go, people that have hired me before, then they see me with a haircut, they go, who is that guy? Totally well, you know, <laughs> when you first came on here virtually, like at first look, I was like, oh, Dave Grohl? We have Dave with us? <laughs> there's a, you guys look a little similar. Have you gotten that before? Oh, there's some hilarious photos of all of us together, like on set <laughs> where like, Dave's wearing a flannel shirt. Rami's wearing a flannel shirt. I'm wearing a flannel shirt, and we're all like together. With, it's it looks like each other and said, "You what flannel are you wearing today, bro?" Uh, <laughs> totally unintentional, but yeah, no people people would come up behind me on set too and like tap me like, "Hey, Dave," and I'm like, I turn around, they'd be like, "Oh, no, you're, okay, you're not Dave." <laughs> you're like, I'm the director. Go yeah, back to your yeah, go no. back to your thing. Go back to <laughs> yeah. your trailer. I think you have to have long hair to direct horror films. Every time I've directed a horror feature, I've always had long hair. I don't know what it is. Maybe that's just what happens. But, you know, I'm getting to the point now where I'm ready to cut all this crap off. <laughs> so so let's let's dig into the movie. Studio 666. It's a comedy, horror, thriller kind of thing. Music, music-oriented sort of film that uh, I think Dave Grohl wrote or co-wrote with one of his partners. And then how did you sign on as the director or how did they sign you on as the director? I guess is my question. The uh, yeah, no, Dave had the idea of like what he wanted to do, like as a film, like he had like basically just a pitch idea of like what he was thinking. And um, he went to his buddies, Jim Rhoda and John Ramsey, who are also producers that I know really well that I've worked with in the past. And that he's they, they produce Sound City, Sonic Highways, a lot of their music videos. And they're like kind of like the odd, like the, the visual side of like the Foo Fighters stuff. Um, they were like, Hey, you should probably show, show this pitch to BJ, you know, and BJ McDonald. And he, Dave knew me before. Cause I, I worked on the run music video with him uh, as a camera operator. Okay. Um, and they were like, yeah, he did these Slayer videos. It like wrote and directed them. They had the storyline is super gory. And this is like, I know what you're kind of wanting to do. So they sent me the pitch. I looked at this pitch and then I kind of wrote in things that I thought would be cool to do on top of that. Like, like just story ideas and plot points just to give it a little bit more depth. Um, I made a lookbook with imagery of like what it should look like, the feel and tone of like what we should go for. Like, in my opinion, what we should go for. We had a meeting and we, you know, we chatted about all that. He looked, he loved yeah. what I was trying to show him, like how I wanted the film to look and feel. Um, he also, you know, we, we agreed that we wanted to make first and foremost, a very much band film, something that had like the lightheartedness and fun feel of a band film that doesn't take itself seriously. That just is one of those things where you can get in there and have a good time. Um, and also keeping with the horror genre of the 80s, like with the kills being fun and hilarious, not like something that you're going to go home and think about and like, oh, my God, <laughs> like, it, it had it needed to be more of the vibe of like Friday the 13th, like with the kill, you're waiting for the kills because they're so outlandish and funny that like right. we wanted to make sure that people were just all around having fun, even when it did get to the horror parts, it had to be fun. Every, it, that was just the main the main point of this whole thing. It was also being like you know, going back to the Foo Fighters videos that they've done in the past, we wanted to make sure we kept that vibe um, for the Foo Fighters fans. So not only a piece of the horror fans, but also the Foo Fighters fans who love the old Foo Fighters videos. So that's really what it was. I mean, it's band movie one, comedy two, and horror film three, you know, and a throwback to the 80s. And what's it like working with the Foo Fighters <laughs> directing them? Like directing rock stars must be a little 
more difficult than directing act like just regular actors, right? It's definitely different, you know, um, and, and that was my concern when I got into like when I knew we were going to do this. However, I was, was comfortable because I've seen the videos and I knew that they were really funny guys and they would love, love doing it. It's a whole different beast, though, when you're doing a music video where it's just images and like, now do this. This is funny to where actually now the guys have to learn dialogue and actually have to kind of express emotion or be in the character of what is going on in that typical scene. Um, that's that's a whole different ball game there. Um, so I was a little bit nervous, but when the guys got there, you know, my whole approach to the thing was guys, you know, remember you guys aren't creating a character. You're not becoming Dracula here. You're not, you know, you're not becoming like the Godfather. Each one of you guys is playing yourself. So whatever we have on the script here, make sure we follow the script topic and the subject matter, but it's totally cool to go off and do what you would actually say, you know, to the other person in response to what the dialogue is going to be. It's more fun if you guys are actually being you, because the other approach is I wanted to make sure that people got to see what the individual band members really kind of were like and their and and like like just their their personalities alone. And the script was basically written in relation to like how the guys actually really kind of are in real life. Or like they're like like Rami's actually how Rami is, Pat's how Pat is. You know, it, they're all like they all play that, you know, I wanted people to know who they were individually. And I think it just makes it more as a better, you know, character. And it makes you feel like you're a band member in the band when they're trying to figure out the songs it kind of you know puts you in that way it's cool was so there was a lot of improvisation going on i would oh, imagine tons yeah. of improv and, and that's that was the whole thing of getting into is, is we knew we were going to get more gold if we let the guys just kind of riff on each other and and do improv you know obviously if it started if the train started going off the tracks i'd always pull it back and be like okay guys <laughs> you guys start talking about this over here you guys are going to go off this that's not in the script let's Stay on, stay on topic, you know, and like we would, I'd have to rope them back in every now and then, but you know, everybody was laughing and come up with their own stuff. Taylor was, I don't think Taylor ever read the script. <laughs> so, you know, when he came in, we, he'd know, he'd find out what he was doing and he would find out like when his, when he would have to respond like to a certain actor. And that's, he knew that was his time. And you know, so, it was fun though, because like we knew that was going on. So we would just yell to like Taylor, like, say this, Taylor. Okay, now say this. You have to say this. And you're like, oh, okay. And then you like make fun of it and do his own thing. So yeah, total improv. And that's another reason why a lot of the other cast too were people that we knew could improv because you Right. Could you had you had Jeff Garland, who's mm -hmm. a friend of mine in the movie, comedian, very well known comedian from Kirby Enthusiasm. Great right with improv. Awesome. Great with improv, Chicago guy. Mm -hmm. And you had Whitney Cummings, who's also a comic. Comic improv. Okay. How was it working? I've, I've known Whitney for a very long time. I haven't seen her in a very long time, but we kind of started out at the comedy store back in the day together. Oh, yeah. She's, her career's taken off. Uh, she's awesome. Yeah, I mean, right that, to the moon. Yeah, I mean, that, and, and we got, you know, the, a lot of the cast members are people that, like, we all individually knew. Mm -hmm. So Whitney and, and Jeff kind of came from the Dave camp, you know, like, and, and, uh, you know, just we knew that Whitney was going to be perfect for that part of Samantha in, in in the movie. Like she would be perfect for it. Plus, her improv skills are great. Mm -hmm. I brought in Will Forte because I'm a Groover. Yeah, uh, and I've known him <laughs> since that. Uh, you know, I brought and you. In, you were a camera camera operator or a director I, of the MacGruber? I was the A camera operator on the on That's the right. MacGruber movie. That's right. Um, and I brought in Leslie Grossman. <laughs> I was also I did a season of American Horror Story. Um, and and she was great. I knew she would play. She'd be perfect for that part, you know. And she came in, and she killed it, you know. And she's she's a pro. So it was like a like a lot. Most of the people in the movie, like even down to uh, you know, Carrie King's in the movie. So I brought him in from the Slater videos I did. He was right. yeah. So we just all kind of collectively <laughs> brought in people to be uh, in this film. And you guys shot this during the pandemic, right? 
We started before the pandemic. Oh, before the pandemic. Yeah, we started right before the pandemic, and then we, and and we got shut down when the world shut down. Right, Whenever right. we had to go home and isolate, we that was the that, like it, the whole crew was we had to all isolate. And, and you know, how, that's the thing like we we the movie wasn't done yet. Uh, you know, and when you're renting a location, you have to you know, you know, money just doesn't stop. So. <laughs> We were, we thought we were going to be done for like, I don't know, two, three weeks, maybe, you know, we didn't expect that it was going to take us six to seven months to come back. Wow. You know? And that's how long it, it, it took in between. So I edited remotely from my office where I'm in now with, I have a bunch of editing monitors and stuff to like do zooms and see timelines and all that crap all over the place. I edited what I had. And then we just got to a place where we couldn't edit anymore, you know, cause we just didn't have the rest of the footage. So Seven months later, six months later, I forgot how long it was, but we then we came back and we finished the movie. And how much footage had you had had you shot prior to the pandemic? We, I believe, had we we were a twenty seven day shoot schedule, I think, which is pretty short. Um, we shot yeah. twenty days, so we had seven days left, and that's, then that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and that's it was really hard because when you when you when you go, oh god, are we going to come back? You're like we work, everybody works so hard, but having such a good time, and you're like, ah. Uh, it's just gonna come back. We're gonna finish this. <laughs> oh crap! And every month that went by, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, is this what's? Every, I hope we come back. And then we did. And we had to add a couple extra days when we came back because we were also one of the guinea pigs in Hollywood to basically uh, figure out how coming back to work during a pandemic and with all the PPE gear we had to wear, mm -hmm. with COVID testing. You know, the COVID testing alone costs. You know, we had to add a bunch to the budget just because of the testing. I mean. Mm -hmm. It was insane. You know, every crew member had to test three times a week. We had to have PPE. We had to have station sanitary stations set up. I mean, it was a whole thing. So I think in in the end, we we got a couple extra days to finish the movie. I think we ended up shooting thirty two days out of twenty seven days. Just That's because still a short, still short very shooting short. schedule. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it is. And for a movie like this, it's very short. You know, and uh, and also our days became short. Our, our days had to be shorter. We had to now shoot ten hour days instead of twelve hour days. So we lost, instantly lost two hours, and two hours is. Right when you're making a movie it really is like every the worst enemy you have directing on a set or working on a set is the time as soon as sure. the time starts you're like oh god we got to go let's go let's go because you got so much to you have to do and people don't understand that it don't work in the film business you know right they just, oh you made a movie no you're racing a clock and sometimes you're lucky to make your day right yeah um you started out directing music videos was that what i sort of read online about you or was it camera, I, camera operating first and then you got into music videos I, I was, I was, I became a camera. My, 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 I came to LA to, to direct, but I kind of got on off the path uh, because I didn't know how to get into like working on a film set. So I became a grip on, on movie sets with my friends um, that I knew that were working as grips. And then I, I kind of like went from like, you know, my whole focus of directing and I started really getting obsessed with like the camera operating side of things. So I thought it was really interesting and a very cool, uh, you know, career on, on set. So I, I dove into that world for a while. Um, that took me, and, and I'm glad I did because it actually taught me so much about, you know, actors and directing and photography and how much time it takes for every person's job on set. I think it's very vital, um, set etiquette, you know, it taught me all that. Um, and then I kind of just got back into directing again and now I'm, I'm just more on that path. I'm still camera operating. I, I love it. Uh, but I'm also just, I go back and forth, you know, it's just whatever the project is and if it's going to be fun and we're going to have a good time, I'm down for it. I always, do you consider yourself a cinematographer or a camera operator? Camera what's operator. The, what's the difference? Cinematographer is in control of basically the lighting of, or, and the look of the movie. 
So for me, directly, I, I work with a cinematographer and say, okay, like, what do you feel and like how you want to shoot this or what kind of angles you want? Or like, you know, we talk about the lenses, we talk about what, like what he's trying to, you know, to do in the camera movement itself. He deals with lighting with the electrics and the grips and makes the lighting what it is. I kind of like sit back and tell the guys like, you know, helping the DP out, uh, saying, Hey, look, you know, the lights in the shot, we're going to move that, do this, you know? So I, I work hand in hand with the cinematographer, but I'm a more, I'm a camera operator. I feel like the camera operators are really the directors on movie sets, TV as, as and, well. I mean, it, it honestly, it really, I, mean, I don't want to take anything away from directors, oh, no. but and no, I, you know, it, you guys are physically holding the camera and moving it, you know, a lot of the times we're, we're talking more to the actors than a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. um, and we tell them like what they're doing when they come on sets and things like that, especially now, since a lot of times we're just all back in video village world. Mm -hmm. I'm actually right there on set. Me and the ACs and the dolly grip are always with the actors. And mm -hmm. so they always, they always usually come to me and say, Hey, what are we doing? You know, mm -hmm. like you know, the director, come and tell them what they're up to, but a lot of times they step on set and say, Hey, we're and I just give them the direction. Like, Oh, you go from this point to this point, you know, blah, blah. But I always step back when the director comes in to tell them what they want to do in the scene, you know, acting wise. So that's not my, like when I'm camera operating, I'm camera operating. When I'm directing, then, then I'm talking to the actors about, you know, the emotion of the scene, what their character's doing, what happened before this take, or like what happened before this scene that you're about to do, just so it gets them in the mode. You know, I, I always take those jobs and I step back and I, I do my job if I'm an operator and I direct when I'm a director. And I was mentioning some of the films that you have been camera operator on. Um, Top Gun, the Top Gun. I did, I did all the, that movie took a long time to make and I did I all, imagine. all the end of it. Just the end part of the film. Yeah, I get, I can't talk too much about Top Gun because uh, like I'm NDA, but yeah, but <laughs> let's just say there was some you know it was that was a hard one to shoot. Um, but yes, I I was I was at the end. A lot of the credit there's a lot of credits on my IMDb that I don't put up that are like like Avengers. I did all the reshoots of Avengers. Ant Man. I did all the reshoots of Ant Man. Shazam. I was the full like the full time operator on that. You know. Um, you know, Salem's Lot and the Conjuring movies, all those things, I was full-time on all those. So, it's, you know, sometimes IMDb can be a little misleading. But for the most part, those credits, I am the full-time operator. We have a little bit of a, uh, what do you call it, connection in some way. We, we were both part of the Marvel Universe. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was in the first Iron Man movie. Oh, that's awesome, really? That's how I met Chris Sadler. Oh, yeah. I At love the Chris. time, yeah, I was 2000. And by the way, thanks, Chris Sadler, if you're... <laughs> This. The reason why BJ's here is because of Chris Sadler. Chris Sadler, uh, he's an AD now, but he started out as a uh, what was it? He was a he was a PA, I think, on Iron Man. Yeah, I think he was, or he you know he would he would wrangle the actors when it was time for us to go on set. Um, but yeah, we were both in the first Iron Man film that John Favreau directed, and our dear friend Peter Billingsley produced, and that's how I got in the movie. That's how I met Chris. We've been friends ever since. He's awesome. He's, and, I mean, I, honestly, he was, he was so great to work with. And whenever we would have like any kind of scheduling things that came up, if we were a little behind in our day, Chris was always on point of like, basically how we would fix it. You know, I'd go, Chris, I don't know, man, we're kind of a little bit behind on our day. What do you think? And he'd be like, hold on. He'd figure it out and we'd come back and he was on point. So he was <laughs> really such a pro. Production. He was, he was so key to have. Yeah. He's, he's a real pro. We're actually working on a couple things right now that we're trying to develop, but, um, the other question I had for you was, you worked with uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, it looks like, twice? I did Ballers. Ballers and Central Intelligence? I did, I did some of Central Intelligence also, but I did all of Ballers. 
Um, he's awesome. He seems like a really cool dude. He's like the nicest guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, you know, people like when he's out and like people bring their kids up to the set and like he'll stop and like take time to talk to the kids and like really like give them attention. And it's, I, I find that a real great trait in actors and people like that that actually do take time out of their. I mean, he look, he's got a busy, busy schedule. And, uh, you know, he actually takes the time to do that stuff. And like kudos to him. You know, he's, he's a pleasure to be to work with on set. He's very nice to the crew. And it's like you look at the guy, he's so big and intimidating, but he's like a giant teddy bear. Yeah, I, I met him once really briefly at the premiere of a movie called Be Cool. If oh, yeah. I remember that. Mm -hmm. Vince Vaughn was in it. Um, he was in it. <clears throat> John Travolta. It was the, the sequel to uh, Get Shorty, I think. Yes. And, yep. um, he couldn't have been nicer. This was before he really started to blow up, but he couldn't have been nicer. He, he really reminds me of like a modern day superhero. You yeah, know, not right. only not only physically, but just his like you said, he takes time to say hi to kids and give to charities, and he just is so. I don't think he sleeps. I don't think yeah, yeah, I don't think he sleeps either. It's amazing, and like so, some people are in so demand that it's like, how do you even like have time for your life? You know, I get done basically with like my morning, and I'm like, I'm tired. I'm <laughs> no, I mean, this guy's in the gym at like three in the morning every night, and he has this intense eating schedule, and yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, you know, uh where he's come from and where he's gone let's talk about where you came from where, where did you I, I couldn't find it i couldn't find it online uh you said you moved here to la from where pensacola florida ah you're a florida boy i was born in van nuys california Let's oh not... you were <laughs> I was born in california i'm a day walker okay. i have florida blood. <laughs> california blood, but i i have some i got some florida in me i can get a little florida every now and then okay. uh the good to know the good to know there's no to sell like, oh, let, me, let me make it nope. <laughs> yeah don't let the florida come out um yeah no i um no i was born in van nuys and my grandfather was an old actor uh his name was life erickson he did like on the waterfront high chaparral the original invaders from mars uh wow. L.O.B. captain kid um i think he was roused about with elvis so the guy was you know he was a real inspiration for me and as a kid i would go with him to film sets and kind of walk around and he would introduce me to friends and it was really cool and you know, kind of opened my eyes up to like, oh yeah, you don't have to be like a fireman or a doctor or a lawyer in, in the world. You can actually pursue a dream and, and do whatever it is you want to do in, in, in life and not, you know, not have to follow like the norms. If you want to go do this, you can do it. You can make a career in Hollywood. So me and my friends would make short films and like make action movies as kids on our BMX bikes and all sorts of cool stuff. And we would have always hurt ourselves, like trying to be our own stuntmen. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, like, you know, he passed away when I was really young. He was a blow to me, but I got into the music business for a bit. Like I, I ended up like in high school start, uh, I was in a punk rock band and I, I kind of took my focus off of, of filmmaking. Um, and then I, I toured with the punk band for about six years uh, and just always on the road with them, putting out albums and things like that. And then when that kind of went away, I go, I just remembered, I said, you know what? I don't know what else to do. I'm, I'm here in Pensacola and there's nothing in this town that really like is it, in, nothing interests me in like what I want to do career wise. So I basically said, you know what? I'm going to talk to my grandmother who was still around and she was a huge inspiration. She goes, yeah, come on out. You know, your grandfather did it. You can do it too. So I packed my stuff and I moved to Los Angeles and went to Los Angeles city college, graduated with a degree that I don't need at all for what I do. <laughs> uh, yeah. I uh, <laughs> don't need it. I don't even know where it is. Um, what, what degree was that? I have a, a killer uh, uh, associate's degree in cinema. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it kind of paid off in some way, right? <laughs> I, you know what? I, like, I, did it get you a job? Probably not. I, 
paid for that education when I actually right after that went and started working as a grip on sets to get paid for that education. Let's right, right. That way. And then and, so you're so you're 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 working as a grip and then like how did you get your first camera operating gig? Did somebody offer it to you? Did you say, Hey, I could do that? No, I an I, agent. I started being a dolly grip for a little bit on on smaller movies and I got really I got really excited about the fact that, you know, what was being seen in the movie was I was a part of, and that was me pushing the dolly or booming the camera up and down with the camera operator and composing the shots with the operator at that point. So I started really, me and the operators would start talking one-on-one about like camera operating. And I got really into it. So I was really like focusing on like framing and how like, you know, the camera movements or emotions in, in, in the movies and like, you know, like, really like why certain frames work for a certain kind of storytelling technique. So I got really into that. It kind of took, it, it took me out of like my whole directing, like I'm here to direct. No. And now I was like, I want to actually do this job. I want to be a camera operator. I think this is such a cool thing. And then this, I saw the steady cam, um, which I first saw that in the movie aliens uh, with Vasquez. It's basically a steady cam rig with a gun on it. Um, but then I, I saw this tool being used, but it's the same thing, but with a camera. So the camera's free floating through all like telling a story as it's following characters, like in the shining, you know what I mean? Like, it's just mm-hmm. like the camera can move without limitation. Um, so I got really into that. So I decided to make the jump, you know, I started operating on student films. I, I started, to, I bought my own steady cam with the money I was making as a grip it took me two years, but I finally got one. Um, uh, and then, uh, I started out on small films, like small student films, so I could mess up and, and not like get crucified on like a major set. Mm-hmm. By the time I felt comfortable, like actually going to some of the directors of photographies that I had worked with as uh, a dolly grip, I would say, hey, look, if you got any small projects and you can't find an operator and you want a steady cam guy, throw me a, you know, give me the chance. Like, let me see, like, I would love to try this. And a lot of those guys did. And that's actually how I ended up becoming a, a camera operator. Cause then I, I started working with them and I started getting bigger jobs and then people, you know, it's, it, this town is very word of mouth um, of like, you know, and I think it's also my attitude. I'm also, I pride myself in being a positive person on set and, and, and try to be enjoyable to work with and not a crotchety person on set. <laughs> Me as a camera operator, I also had worked with crotchety operators and you just yep. make day the worst. And I vowed to never be that guy. I was like, I always want to be the guy that they always go, you know, who's fun to work with. Let's get mm-hmm. feedback. And that takes a long, it'll take you a long way. Well, to coattail what you just said, uh, yes, you have a great positive attitude. Yes. I've worked with really, what'd you call them? Curmudgeon? What do you, what do you? Crotchety. Crotchety. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, because those union workers. Is that, is that PC? <laughs> yeah. Crotchety. We can say. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> on, this, on this podcast, I think you can kind of almost say anything. Okay. Um, I no, I, it, it's funny because because uh, I've worked on several you know t- movies and TV shows and stuff, and the the crew really kind of sets the tone for the for the project at least for me. Yes. When you walk on a set and there's a there's a cool culture on set between the director, the camera operators, the the grips, the dollies, the the makeup artists, the the, yeah. the hair people, uh, craft services. You know, if if there's a precedence that's set on set, like hey man. We're all going to be together for the next 30, 45, you know, 60 days. We yeah. all need to get along. If you're having a bad day, just come on a set and have a smile and do your job and take your problems home with you at night. And so that's cool that you pride yourself on that because I've worked with a lot of crotchety, you know, union workers. And oh, yeah. When that clock, you know, when that when it's time to get off work, they're gone. They don't want to have any association typically with with the cast it seems yeah. like um yeah 
that's that's a lot that I've learned with like that's as me as a director. Like you know, I take I take a lot of uh, I take a lot of notes with other people I've worked with um, just to see what works and what doesn't work. Um, and I've come to you know I've always seen that like it's more like the James Wan approach because I love working with James. James is such a positive uh, person on set. Like no matter what, there's a positivity to it, and we're having fun, and everybody's having fun, um, and like. I take that and go, okay, that's more of like what I was, how I want to be and how I also like try to be on set for like the 20 years I've been doing this. I try to make sure I walk in with a positive vibe. It takes one person to poison the well. I always say that. Yep. And, and once you, and especially when you're the leader or a director, if you eat like, look, I, I have bad days on set, you know, like as I come in as a director, I've had I, like, or something's really bothering me, but you, I have to kind of put that in the back burner and make sure that, I'm not slowing down or making the crew feel like any kind of feelings on that because it will affect your day. It really does. It's like your, your attitude affects the rest of the crew. How do you, how do you feel about, you've been in Hollywood for how long? 25, 30 years now? No, well, no, no. Uh, oh, no. I, <laughs> Sorry, it's 15. I've been, I've been <laughs> working since 19, actually 2000. Okay. Like, yeah. how do you, how do you, I, I know you try to stay positive and it's a very word of mouth industry. How do you navigate through all the shittiness and politics of Hollywood? Cause there is a lot of shittiness and politics in our industry. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is like, you have to have a big thick bulldog skin in my opinion, to get to be part of this business. You can't get super upset about stuff. You can't like, you know, my whole thing is I don't like, my wife, unfortunately, goes, oh, God, how was your day? I know you're going to tell me all about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and she usually will get the brunt of me being like, you know what? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Is she in the industry? She's a makeup artist, yeah. Oh, okay. And, well, uh, that, that's kind of cool that you are involved with somebody who understands the industry, at least, right? She gets it, yeah. And so it's it, for me, it's more like I can come home and tell her what's going on. She understands the days. But, you know, like navigating it and being positive throughout the whole thing. It's like, it, yeah, look, it's hard. Look, we all have our days. I'm not going to say I'm, I've been perfect on a set. Like there's, there's been things that like, it's hard to, you know, if something really is gnarly going on, you have to like, you got to sit and think about it before you react instead sure. of just react. And that's, that's the, that's my whole thing is like, how, how am I going to, you know, what am I going to do here? How am I going to, you know, uh, work this situation out without like causing any kind of rifts or anything like that. Because I don't want to be the guy that causes problems. You know what I mean? But I do, I also don't want to be the guy that just keels over, you know, right. I, I will talk to people about certain things. Um, you know, am I perfect? I don't think anybody's perfect, you know, but I do always try to go positivity first over negativity. You know, sometimes things can get a little bit rough on sets. Sure. You just have to approach those things in a, in a way where it's professional. You just got to be professional. You don't yell at people on a set. If you get like when I was a grip, I think I got into an altercation with a grip years ago and he was started off on me on a set, blah, blah, you know, started yelling about things. I'm just like, Hey man, let's take this outside. Right. Right. You know, we don't need to do this in front of people. Let's go outside. And so, right. And that actually made the crew go, Oh, uh Oh, <laughs> <laughs> have you ever gotten in any physical alter altercations on, on set with anybody? Never. No, but I've seen it happen. You know, yeah, and those yeah, are seen stories it. that you're just like, I, I have seen it happen and I've seen it. I've seen the repercussions of it. And honestly, it's just not worth it. It's you not know, worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth getting into a physical altercation with somebody on a set. You know, it's just your, your reputation is what you got. And that's like, that's, it. that's what you have. So if you're all of a sudden like, oh, remember that time so-and-so beat the crap out of so-and-so. And then they got, they had to go to HR and then they were never allowed to come back on the universal <laughs> ladder again. Right. 
I don't want. <laughs> I've yeah. never been kicked off a set. I've been kicked out of comedy clubs, but I've never been kicked off a movie set. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, what, knock on wood. What? Huh? <laughs> I just knocked on wood. Knock I don't on want, wood. Yeah. <laughs> and get through my career and not get kicked off a set. So, like before COVID, you know. Are there, was there a lot of like smoozing, smoozing going on? Like, would you get invited to the Soho house for drinks with this producer and that director and, or did you stay away from all that shit? I hate all that crap. Honestly, yeah. I don't, I, I'm not the schmoozy type of dude. I meet people on sets and I keep everything as a professional thing. I don't, I don't, I'm not a schmoozer. I don't go around being like, I gotta be here tonight because so-and-so is going to be here. Right. You know, I, I'm just not that guy. And honestly, if you're going to meet me at the Rainbow Room and we're going to listen to heavy metal and eat a pizza, count me in. I'm right. down for that. Like I'm, I'm totally in for that. But you know, Soho House and things like that, yeah. you can you can have it. Like, I, the thing, I don't care. I don't care. I don't need to be seen. I don't need to be the you know this or that. I, I have a home life that I care about more. In all sure. honesty, like, I take my job and I take it seriously, and I love the people I work with. But at the same time, it's exhausting to try to keep going like, Oh, I'm going to go, I got to be, you know, go here just cause so-and-so is here and I got to schmooze and schmooze. It's just, you know, if someone likes me that I've worked with, that's all that matters. Right. It's so funny. You mentioned the rainbow room, uh, <clears throat> heavy metal and pizza. Uh, I used to hang out there pretty regularly with, um, Tom Morello, who I'm sure oh, yeah. you probably know. I know. Yeah. He, he was a, he was a frequent regular there and you yeah. always find him in the booth eating pizza, rocking out to, to some heavy, uh, heavy metal at the rainbow room. I love that place. And it's still, it's still cool. Like I'm not even a sunset strip kind of person at all, unless there's like a show at the Roxy or the whiskey or, or, you know, Viper room, but, uh, it's always go to the rainbow for food, you know? Yeah. yeah. Although, and they do have great pizza. Cool dude clubs you can have. <laughs> <laughs> What's, uh, t tell us the, for the people that are listening, tell, uh, if you could tell everybody a little bit about, you know, the, the beginning, middle, and end of the movie. You talked about shooting during COVID and that kind of thing, but were you part of the script at all? Or were you just, hey, I got the script and I'm just going to direct you guys and I don't want to get caught up in, you know, the actual, like, story that's already been crafted? So I got the pitch idea from Dave. Um, and then I went in and I, I kind of took, like, I, I go, okay, there's this, there's this character that's the bad guy, but this thing happened in the, in the movie that he wants to do. I was like, but what happened to the band that was in his band that, that Dave's talking about? So I was like, we need to develop a little bit more of like, you know, more of the backstory of the house and like give the house a little bit more of a, of a lore to it. Um, so I kind of did my ideas and that's why I approached Dave with that stuff. Dave then like, I think Dave's management, they hired Jeff and Rebecca, the writers, um, and they kind of went and, and did kind of a, they did a whole pass on the, on the script and, you know, kind of went with what Dave wanted to do and like, kind of like just the ideas that we had. Um, and then they wrote the script. Uh, so it was really about that. We, we did make some changes in the script, you know, but in the end it was really like, it was really more Dave and, and, uh, and Jeff and Rebecca. Dave seems like a really, really cool motherfucker. I've never met him. He seems oh. like, like such a nice guy and funny guy. Was it, if I just a, I want to remind myself, wasn't he the drummer of Nirvana? Was, was I? Mm -hmm. That's right. And then yeah. he started the Foo Fighters. Yep. But he seems like just such a pleasant guy to be around. I've, I've always heard great things about him. Only good yeah. things. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. He is exactly what you see. Like, he's very nice. He's very cool. He's, he, he's very warm, as the other guys are pretty warm, too. They're all like, you know, you can actually talk to him like buddies. You know, it's yeah. not like they're not. They're, they are rock stars. Let's not be, you know, they are, they are that. Right. However, right. 
but their but their attitudes are just dudes. You know, like they made me feel very warm and welcome as and they also made the, the rest of the cast and the rest of the crew feel they made them feel warm and welcome. And I gotta say on this one, like it was just a wonderful mix of of you know cast and crew and people because everybody was having a good time and everybody felt like we were doing something really special on this job. I'm um, so, so glad to hear that. Yeah, and I mean as as you you've been on set, so it's not all it's I I was so happy because people would come up to me, you know every other day or whatever, a crew member would come to me and say, BJ, I just got to say, man, this is the most fun I've had in a really long time on a film set. And I, I really like, you know, I, I wish this job would never end. It was those kind of moments for me that made me feel like we were doing something really great. And just knowing that a crew was having such a good time and that, that and then I, you know, me and Dave and the guys were kind of leading the ship on that, you know, that response makes me, that's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear later on. I was on that set with BJ and boy, that guy was such a jerk, you know, or anything like right. that. I'm so happy when I hear a crew member, because I'm also a crew member, right. say how fun they had on the set and that they didn't want it to end. What can people expect from the film that they probably wouldn't expect? You know, it's if you go in thinking you're going to see like a dead serious horror film, you're totally wrong. <laughs> That's never what we set out to make. Right. Um, you know, if you're going in to see like I said, again, an old school throwback to the band movies like the Beatles or the Monkees or Kiss um, mixed with, you know, fun comedy with with the Foo Fighters and who they are. And then also pepper in a bit of a bit of horror and 80s style gore that are fun kills and not serious kills. Then you're going to have a really good time. That's 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 what I think people are going to get. I think that if you're a Foo Fighters fan, you might enjoy and you're not a horror fan. You might enjoy what we did because it's funny. It's not like you're not going to have a nightmare over it. I, mean, I hope you don't have a nightmare over it. Um and if you're a horror fan and you don't really know about the Foo Fighters, hopefully you come out being a Foo Fighters fan and being like, oh, man, that was really cool. You know, like that's kind of like what we were kind of that's what we were going for. Is there any Spinal Tap sort of energy going on in the movie or? Am I... I can say there's a bit of Spinal Tap energy going on. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's totally like in that kind of vein of comedy. You know what I mean? It's, it is that the good thing, I think, is it's, it's because you are what we did is we make. I feel like we made the audience feel like they were actually in the living room at times with the band trying to figure out what was going on because you, you, you do get into that world with them, um, which you don't see often with bands. You just go, Oh, Hey, the album came out. This album's rad or this album's mm -hmm. not. Um, this, you actually get to see the guys like troubleshooting stuff and then watching someone, obviously it's a, it's a story. So things go bad, uh, <laughs> but you get to see, you know, you get to kind of feel like what it's like to be in a band because even, with my band experience of me being in a band in the days, I, I did relate to like what was in the script, like writer's block or bandmates kind of arguing over how long a song was or, you know, just the recording process of things. It really does translate. Um, <clears throat> we're talking to BJ McDonald, director of the new Foo Fighters film, Studio 666. Can we expect a sequel? I would love to do one. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have ideas of a sequel. Uh, I mean, let's see what happens. You know, yeah. like came out in theaters. You know, that's awesome. Didn't expect that to ever happen. Um, you know, I think it's going to have a great cult film life. Honestly, sure. I think people. Oh, are absolutely, gonna, yeah. I think if you, I think that's really kind of like, if it becomes a cult film in the end, I think that's. Uh, I think we did our job, and that's. I would love for that to be the thing. Put it on at a party and just have a good laugh. Um, if they ever, if the guys want to do a sequel, I'm down. I have ideas, or if they want to do some kind of totally other genre, I. Right. I to do that you know or any other bands for that matter like they want to do a movie or something like that i would it would be great it's just fun as a director what uh type of projects are you looking to do in the future 
I'm right now reading a couple scripts and I'm, tr I'm really like, I love horror films. So I'm always down to do horror. Um, I would love to do an action movie. I love action films. I want to do some, I would like to do something a little more serious than, than what we did. Um, just to be honest. Um, Cause I don't want to be stuck or pigeonholed as being, Oh, it's the guy that did the horror comedies, you know, yeah. and I've done two of them already. And uh, I would, you know, I would like to go a little more serious if I can, if it's a good script and it's a horror comedy, then game on, let's go, you know? And that's, that's kind of the deal. But, Right now, I've really been looking into like horror, horror action, action, sci-fi, you know, that kind of stuff is what I, what I'm really kind of leaning forward, you know, trying to get the next thing going. So you're just reading scripts right now. You don't have anything in the pipeline yet. No, just reading scripts and kind of coming up with some pitch ideas with some buddies of mine. And, uh, you know, it's a long process. Who knows when we'll get something off the ground. I've already read two really awesome scripts that we've been talking about. Um, we'll see what happens with those. Um, one is very much a horror comedy, action <laughs> horror comedy, which is hilarious. Um, and I do like the script a lot. And the other one is more of like, it's more of a horror thing in the vein of Krampus. Right. Okay. That's cool. Wolf, uh, Wolf Ramirez is our engineer, producer, videographer, editor over here behind the scenes. You can't see him, but I will. we, yeah, we're, we're here at the Jam in the Van Studios. If you're ever in West LA and want to come check out cool live music they have a recording studio inside of their actual tour bus that's why it's called jam in the van that's awesome yeah it's really cool bands come in and they record stuff in here and they put on comedy shows and everything and wolf wolf is our master engineer you have any questions wolf anything you want to ask no man that was awesome <laughs> all right he goes that was a lot of information that was awesome i'm a flow um, information guys see this game like i said <laughs> gray I'm, I'm becoming gandalf of cinema I love it. I love it, man. Uh, let's. Anything you want to plug before we sign off? Because I want to ask you your best Hollywood tale. And it okay, could be I'll, it could be anything Hollywood related. Well, ask me. I have to think about that one for a second. I will plug. I'll say, you know, hey, Studio Six 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 is still out in theaters right now. If you yeah. get a chance, go support small horror films. You know, they don't get a lot of love. You know, it's not a big studio backing on it. So it's like, you know, when these movies actually get theatrical releases, go see it. You know, it's like yeah. that. That's that's what I would say. If you can see it in theaters or you feel safe seeing it in theaters, being that we've been in a pandemic, please go see it. If not, and you don't feel safe and you just want to wait, you, we all know where it's going to end up somewhere. So wait for that, you know, and, and have no, a man, go see it on, go see it on the big screen studio six, 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 uh, with the Foo Fighters director, BJ McDonald. It was so cool talking with you, man. I'm I've oh, yeah. you actually, you, you educated me on so many things I had, I had no idea about, um, uh, uh, I, I'm always glad to educate somebody. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it's not bad education. <laughs> well, well, what we're trying to do on this podcast is, you know, we have comics, we have directors, we have actors, musicians, and whatever. And it seems like everybody that comes up, producers, everyone that comes on has some sort of, you know, uh, piece of insider advice that they kind of give to our listeners and watchers yeah. who may not know that there's a, a world out there as a, uh, a camera operator or director and you know to hear your journey and how you really worked your way up the ladder it's it's super impressive man so kudos kudos no, to thanks you. yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a long road but uh it's, <laughs> it's been a fruitful one and and i'm i'm you know the journey i've taken has, has been one i've not been bummed out about at all well this is i felt like this was a master class today <laughs> uh-oh I'm gonna be teaching uh -oh. LACC, right? I'll be like, yeah, hey, I, I can't find my associate's degree in cinema, guys. <laughs> it's somewhere in storage, but I can find it. I swear. I'll, I'll teach a class. Right. <laughs> what? Uh, 
let's let's uh well, let's sign off and uh with your best hollywood tale it, it could be something funny it could be something dark it could be a, a a good experience a bad experience one of your first experiences anything hollywood related i mean i know it's it's kind of tough to outdo your stories about working with the foo fighters but is there something crazy in hollywood that happened to you that along okay. along your way here here's one i that's that's <laughs> The weirdest thing that's ever happened to me in Hollywood was when I was when I was a grip, I got a phone call to actually go work on David Lee Roth music videos. Now, these aren't Van Halen. These are just David Lee Roth. And he would actually shoot these videos at his house in Pasadena. Oh, wow. uh, and it was these weird songs that he just made at his house. And it was crazy. like when we got to the house. It was strange because there was like no furniture in the house. It was like just pictures of like these giant photos of him, like climbing on mountains and stuff. And it was kind of hilarious. <laughs> But he would make these very odd videos. Um, and, you know, this and this is like 2020, you know, uh, 2021, probably not 2021. I mean, 2001. Um, and I'll never forget doing these music videos. They were always so odd. And there was one music video where he had a in his house. He had a golf cart with a machine gun mounted to it. And, a, and, a, and there was a little person dressed up like Andy Warhol. And then there was a bunch of women that had fake pregnant bellies, but were smoking <laughs> cigarettes at a pool. And then a <laughs> the pool. And they had a craft service table that was had, had food on one table, but they had a second craft service table, which they don't do at all anymore these days, nowadays. There's a second one that had nothing but alcohol on it. <laughs> so shooting music videos at David Lee Roth's house and, and having all these weird scenarios. And I think you can probably find the videos on, on YouTube nowadays, but like it was the weirdest, most surreal experience. And David was like, he was great. Like he would always show up and laugh. He'd be laughing and having a good time, but it was just one of those things when you first get into like working and, and it was like, I was still kind of fresh as a grip and like, you know, making my way through it. I'm sitting there at David Lee Roth's house, looking at a, you know, a craft service table full of alcohol and, and you know all these fake, you know these women with cigarettes. <laughs> and I'm just like, I made it. <laughs> Did I make it. I think I made. It. I don't know if I made it. <laughs> there you go. Well, hey man, you're hanging out with the lead singer of Van Halen at one point. That's a that's a pretty good Hollywood tale. I gotta. It was a good I one. Tip my hat. It was a good one. Yeah, I don't know if he lives in Pasadena anymore, but it was it was fun. Whatever happened with him? He kind of like. He kind of rose and then fell. He rose right? and kind of drugs. Came, I the think drugs. Van Halen's again for a little bit, and then he went and became an EMT. Which actually, I don't think I'd ever want an EMT. I don't think David, if David Lee Roth showed up to take care of me, and he had battles, I'd be like, oh crap, you know, He's pumping cocaine into your heart, into your blood <laughs> oh, system. <no. laughs> you You're a great guy, but don't don't uh, don't use the paddle. I'm, I'm not there. <laughs> I met him once, really briefly, at the comedy store one night. He was there to see. Uh, a friend of his, I forgot his name. Fuck, I forgot his name. But he showed up one night. He was super nice. He's like a real, you know, joyful kind of easygoing guy. He didn't, he didn't seem like no. to have any sort of chip on his shoulder or anything like that. He was always having a laugh. And that's the one thing I do remember about David. You know, he he was most of the time constantly laughing and just having fun. And that was always like, you know, again, positivity. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey guys. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. It's been such a pleasure and an honor, and thank you for making time this early in the day. I don't know how sure. early you get up, but when uh, when your publicist said, "Hey, you know, BJ can do it at this time," and we said, "Yeah, fuck it, let's let's jump on that." So we're grateful for your time. So great to hear your stories. 
Uh, if you're watching, go check out Studio 666, 666 with the Foo Fighters, directed by the one and only BJ McDonald. And uh, hey, man, I hope to I hope to work with you one day. How about yeah. that? It's a small town. I'm surprised we haven't already. Yeah. Well, <laughs> knock on wood. Fingers crossed. Maybe we'll we'll be on set one day down the road. That would be awesome. Hey, man, you're the best. Have a great rest of your day. And um, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. We're, we're really grateful for you. Appreciate Thanks it. for having me. Appreciate I had a really it. good time. Thanks, brother. Thanks. We'll be in touch. Thanks. Thank you. All right, everybody. That was BJ McDonald, director of the Foo Fighters movie, Studio 666, in theaters now. Go check it out. What a nice guy. Super nice. It's funny because you always, you know, I never thought he would want to come on our podcast. We just started this podcast a couple months ago. We're like in episode what 15 i think so we're just kind of getting traction around it but we've had some really amazing guests uh on here vince vaughn peter billingsley tom morello ari sandell uh adam uh, hunter comedian uh coming up next we have some comics coming in later to to yeah. do some podcasts so that was really cool that uh that bj came on and so grateful to have him on man it's uh it's it's really rare to have uh a director of that stature not only take time to come talk to us but fuck he was so cool man and easy going info yeah been a part of so many things too oh my god if you go to imdb and type in bj mcdonald his credits are a mile long it's crazy yeah so um well i think if there's anything else you want to plug punch in you want to plug the stand-up show yeah we have uh we have some stand-up shows coming up Chicago Comedy Bar, April 15th and 16th. March 26th, Bellflower. Uh, March, actually March 20, March 27th, I'm doing a, a, a fundraiser yeah. at the Stand Up Comedy Club in Bellflower. <clears throat> it's uh, for uh, Palestinian students. Nice. Um, and then the 30th, we're doing another thing called Ahmed Ahmed and Friends that Blake will be on. Yep. Also at the Stand Up Comedy Club in Bellflower. Comedy Bar Chicago, April 15th, 16th, and Cruisers every Thursday, and now Newport Beach. Newport. Cruisers Bar, comedy, free every Thursday, Newport Beach. Come check that out, 8 o'clock. And then if you're ever in West L.A. and you want to come check out what's going on here at Jam in the Van, go to jaminthevan.com. This is where we record our podcast every week, and uh, they have... It's a really cool multiplex with an outdoor venue, an indoor venue, an awesome green room. Um, it's 420 friendly, and uh, there's always something going on here every weekend. So check it out. Uh, my name is Ahmed Ahmed. This is my co-host. Blake Barty. Check me out at Ahmed Ahmed Comedy on Instagram. Blake Barty Comedy on Instagram. And just want to uh, thank Jake and Dave, the guys who own this, uh, the Jam in the Van. Uh, Jack Higgins, our creative director. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, Jake Trainer, who operates the facility. And then the one and only Wolf Ramirez right over here. Thank you, Wolf, for all your help. And we are signing off. Thanks for checking out Hollywood Tales. We'll see you next time. <laughs>